Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Heart of Dating podcast. I'm your host, Kate Warman. And I just got to say that it is so special to do this podcast with you week after week. Today, we are talking about God's redemption. And specifically, we are talking about how nothing is wasted in your story. I see so many people in our community finding themselves unexpectedly single. Maybe you've dated and dated and had your heart broken and feel like the only single person left. Maybe you've never been in a relationship and feel insecure or even hopeless about your relationship status. Maybe you find yourself single after going through a divorce. Or maybe you find yourself single again after losing a spouse. Well, today we're talking to Davey and Christy Blackburn as we dive straight into a story of God's beautiful redemption. The interwoven story of the current Blackburn family dates back to several years ago. Tragedy struck Davey and Weston in an unimaginable way when Davey lost his pregnant wife of seven years, Amanda, during a home invasion. Amanda was shot three times in their home on November 10th, 2015, passing away in the hospital just 24 hours later. After Amanda's passing, an urgency kindled inside Davy's heart to intercept kids and teenagers in the inner city Indianapolis area before they might step into a life of crime and drug-related activity. As God so had it, this led to a divine connection to his now wife, Christy, who was a single parent at the time. I'm going to let Davey and Christy share more of their beautiful story on the episode, but I'm just so excited for you guys to hear this powerful episode. Davey is a writer, speaker, pastor, and podcaster. He is the creator of the Pain to Purpose course and author of Nothing is Wasted, a true story of hope, forgiveness, and finding purpose in pain, releasing this January 2022. Christy is a physician assistant who became a stay-at-home mom and now online wellness coach, She is a co-author of Root and Marrow Cookbook, a collection of allergy-friendly, whole food, full-flavored recipes for busy families. Her passion is empowering people to take back their health using food as medicine by addressing how they interact with the eight dimensions of wellness. Davey and Christy founded Nothing is Wasted Ministries to help people partner with God to take back their story. They live in Indianapolis, Indiana, with their three kids, Natalia, Weston, and Cohen, and their two dogs, Charlie and Henry. Now, guys, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you that our Heart of Dating Conference is back, y'all. It is back, this time both virtually and in person for the first time ever. We will have two ways to watch and join the conference, either in Orlando, Florida, or online, where you will get just about the same experience as if you come with us in person. You guys, with our brand new state-of-the-art social network, mobile app, and conference technology, you will feel like you are attending in person if you buy a virtual ticket. All attendees are going to be able to build a profile and connect with other singles, watch sessions live, 
live chat with conference attendees, have access to the schedule for the weekend conveniently all in one location, access all 20 plus hours of content after the event, and join organized meetups in your city. We have upgraded the entire online experience. The online ticket will give you access to multiple live stream sessions on Saturday, February 12th, which will be the launch of our conference, as well as over 20 plus videos of pre-recorded content from speakers. Registration includes a fully virtual second day of online speed dating and mingling. Ayo, did you hear that? I said online speed dating and mingling. And then, of course, if you guys can swing it, we will be offering for the first time ever the opportunity to join us in person. Your ticket will give you an in-person access to a packed Saturday of content at LifeBridge Church in Orlando, Florida. We will end our Saturday with an in-person singles mixer. And on day two, we will be joining the virtual attendees for virtual speed dating and even more mingling. At this conference, we will have incredible speakers, including the amazing Anthony O'Neill, Rich Wilkerson Jr., Levi and Jenny Lusco, JP Pacluda, Luke Lazan, Camila Buchanan, Deb Valeta, JD Rogers, David Marvin, Kat Harris, Stephanie Mae Wilson, and so many others. Though I have to note that not all of our speakers will actually be live in person in Orlando. So just pushing that virtual ticket, you guys, you're going to have such a great experience. A lot of the content will be pre-recorded and we will be watching a lot of that content together in Orlando. Early bird tickets are on sale now until December 31st, New Year's Eve. So you want to get on this y'all because it is a really good discount. You can go to hodc2022.com to get on this right now, or you can just go to heartofdatingconference.com. I am so excited to see y'all in person for Heart of Dating Conference 2022. Let's go. All right, now for our incredible episode with Davey and Christy Blackburn. All right, we got Davey and Christy Blackburn today on the podcast. Hey guys, hey. how you doing? Good. Doing? We're so excited to be here. Yes, this is an honor. Thanks, Kate. I'm so excited to have y'all here. Also, Blackburn is that my mom is with someone with that last name, so I feel like there is a kindred connection we here do. because that's kind of that's kind of a family name for me now. So Man, hello, Blackburn. Somewhere in our like ancestry, we've crossed <laughs> over know. here. It's awesome. I know. <laughs> I love it. I mean, somewhere we could talk about it after. We probably are related somehow. Okay, <laughs> but you guys, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the show today. When I started hearing about your story. Um, and then, you know, did some own, my own research on it. I was like, oh my gosh, I love Davey and Christy. And I, I mm. like, you know, stalked you guys, acceptable stalking via <laughs> listening to the podcast and all sorts of things on the gram and things like that. And I just love how, what God is doing through your story and how encouraging, how unique it is, how obviously difficult and painful it is, but how you've used that to really propel forward. And I know, Davey, you have an incredible podcast called Nothing is Wasted. And I, I would love for you to even talk quickly about that, because I think even within the name of your podcast reveals part of your heart and your mission. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the podcast is called Nothing is Wasted. The ministry that we lead is called Nothing is Wasted Ministries. And it w- was really, um, it spawned out of a, a deep tragedy that I went through back in 2015, where I lost my first wife, Amanda. Um, our home was broken into in Indianapolis while I was away. 
and uh, she was murdered in that. And and so now we can talk some more about that, but essentially what began to develop out of that is God began to heal me and began to put the pieces back together in my life. And as other people came around me and pastored me and ministered to me, um, we started to see this theme in scripture that nothing is wasted, that God does not waste our pain. Romans 8, 28 tells us that he works all things together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. And it seems so fitting because what my late wife did as a hobby and what she was forming into a business was she restored furniture. And she believed mm. that nothing was wasted, that no furniture that was discarded by some, you know, other people, other people looked at it as trash. She saw the potential in it and she could turn it around and turn it into value. And that's exactly what we felt like the Lord was telling us through the healing process is this may look like uh, something that the world would discard and say, nobody, no, no good can come out of this, but our God, he tells a different story and he rewrites our stories. And so that became the impetus behind the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I just began interviewing other people who, who went through really difficult times and how God showed up in their journey and how he began to restore them. And then um, uh, in 2019, we stepped away from the church I was pastoring and started this as a full-fledged ministry where we just help people who have gone through tragedy, trauma, and major life transition and help them find purpose in their pain. Mm, that's so good. What you were saying too about nothing is wasted and the furniture with your late wife, Amanda, it reminded me also of the Japanese, the Kintsugi, yes. is that what it's called? Yes. yes. Exactly. And I referenced that. I referenced it several times and I forget the first time I heard about that. If you want to talk about it, Davey, you can. I'm sure you're aware of what it yeah. is, but it, yeah, go ahead. Well, as I understand <laughs> it, it's, you know, all, it's this T particular art form that, you know, is, is derived out of, you know, Japanese culture where they take all of these pieces of things that seem disjointed and disconnected and, and discarded and they put them together and they create this beautiful art form out of it. And that's yeah, and they, they actually use like quote unquote gold to put the pieces yes. back together. Oh, so wow. it looks uniquely different. If you Google the picture, it's so profound because you'll see like these bowls, like Kintsugi bowls. I'm probably saying it totally incorrectly, but <laughs> you'll see these bowls and they are, have like these gold, it's highlighting the brokenness actually mm -hmm. to create something more beautiful. And it's, it's like the brokenness, those the cracks and crevices have been filled with gold, which is such a beautiful, profound picture that like, Hey, this is something, this broken bowl, you probably would have just thrown away, you know, if the bowl breaks in your kitchen. But what they've done is say, you know, this is these are still amazing parts. We could put this back together. And who's to say we can't put this back together and make something even more beautiful and That's highlight right. even the parts that were broken that are now healed and mended. And so I, I just love that picture. And I, I love that that's y'all's mission through Nothing Is Wasted. So, so beautiful. Christy, now that we've talked a little bit about Davy's past, we're going to talk about how this all melded together to bring you guys <laughs> here. But I would love, Christy, for you to share, you know, what was going on in your life and what led you to kind of, you know, the, the moment where you guys met, which we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah. So I was a single mom at the time and I was dating and just felt so uncomfortable dating as a parent because I had a <laughs> child who she would see me with this man who was not her father. And if I was showing emotion with him, like holding his hand or hugging him, like that is confusing for a child. So for me, I've, I felt like I was stumbling through the dating scene. And so finally, after this, I, I was dating this guy, we broke up and I just said to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, like, I don't want her 
to like leave here one day and be like my mom's boyfriend and then, oh, my mom's other boyfriend and my mom, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't want yeah. her to have that story and I don't want these like revolving door of just men coming in. So Lord, like I want to just make it about me and you. I want where the, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So I'm like, I don't feel like I love you like that anymore. Like I don't, I wouldn't give everything for you. I wouldn't. And so for me, I'm like, man, you know, when you first start dating someone and they like, you connect with them so well and you get all these like (laughs) butterflies, I'm like all the feels. Yes. (laughs) And like, all you do is think about them all day long. You just want to text them. You want to hear back from them. I'm like, Lord, I don't care to be in your word and hear from you. Like, I don't really care to like spend that time with you. And so something was wrong. I'm like, man, I got to fix this before I try to even like get, get married, get a dad for my daughter. You know, like that is the most important thing. And it says, seek first his kingdom and the rest will be given to you. And so for me, I was like, you know what, God, I'm just done with dating. And actually I give my life to you and I do not want to get married. And I thought it was this mutual agreement. Like, (laughs) here we go. We're moving forward. And so, I mean, I remember just giving that to him. And then that next week, like, or a couple weeks later, I met Davey and he was like showing (laughs) interest. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And so I said, Lord, like, oh, okay, here's Satan just putting another temptation in my way. You know, we can think all these things. And so I was like, nope, not going to happen. And so Davey pursued me for about like six months, Mm -hmm. just in different ways, not, you know, very subtle ways. And, and so for me, I was like, no, like, like he would ask to go hang out somewhere with a group of friends. I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, or I'm busy. I would just always make up some kind of excuse. (laughs) And so he like got the, you know, the hint of like, wow, she's really not interested. But I would, what I wanted in that season was Lord, I want where I get the butterflies. I want where I'm like only me and him and we're good. I want where Natalia can see me just fully relying on the Lord and not needing a void filled by a man that will never fill that void in the right way. And so, yeah, when we met uh, at the gym, it was just kind of like, all right, I'm <laughs> love good. That. At the gym. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, actually, it can happen anywhere, everyone, okay? I That's know, right. Anywhere. <laughs> Dave, you should explain how it went down because it's a lot yeah. funnier. And oh, the way I think it's it. so funny. I'd love to hear it. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, what you have to understand is that it was very complicated for me because I, I was a pastor at the time, local church pastor when the tragedy happened. And so I, I was at the time I met Christy, I was still pastoring this church. So all these questions on my mind of like, okay, I'm a pastor. I have this, you know, somehow I've been thrusted into this platform now where this, you know, this story of this tragedy that happened in my life has now been nationwide all over the news. People kind of know what's going on. They're following. I can't walk around our city anymore without being recognized. And so then how do you, how do you date as a pastor? Yeah. Right. I was like, just going to say, we like actually you, have a, I've talked to single pastors who are like, this is so hard. Like to so be difficult. a single pastor, it's like the eyes are on you and probably yes. everyone's like, your situation is probably really unique um, in, in dealing with grief. But I know a lot of single pastors as well who they're like, oh, I'm going to set you up with this person. I'm going to set you up with this person, right. set you up with this person. <laughs> right. They're like, oh my gosh. Okay. You and, know? And you certainly had some of that with grief. And then you all, you know, of course you have like, okay, you have the questions of like, okay, should I start dating? Am I ready to like, am I, you know, because you know, one of the things I believe is fundamentally life is a continual process. We're in progress when it comes to our sanctification and our healing. And so you're never fully healed when something like a big T tragedy like Mm -hmm. this happens, you're just continually healing. God is continually putting the pieces back together. You know, I'm asking all these questions and then your, your life is already in ministry as a pastor. You're under a microscope. You're kind of living in a fishbowl and then it's magnified when it's to this extent. Right. So 
I, there was part of it where I was like trying to be very, very careful and conscientious, but also at the same time, what happened when Christy walked into that CrossFit gym that day is it's like, kid, it was like one of those moments where like the heavens opened up and like, <laughs> like, you, like this angel comes oh, through the door oh and I'm gosh. like, oh. Oh you know, I'm like, but it was the first time that my heart began to open up to that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I didn't think that I could, um, have, uh, an attraction to anybody else at, at, other than my late wife. You know, I had, I, I had not, that part of my heart was dead and it had been suppressed. And then all of a sudden, as I watched this girl walk through the gym, I'm like, who is this girl? The problem was I didn't know anything about her. I just was like physically attracted to her. But I think there was some kind of a, something in the supernatural, something in the spiritual that was drawing us together that later we find out like, oh my gosh, God was definitely knitting this thing together purposefully. So I, I, <laughs> I kind of see your, go ahead, Chris. But what was so funny about the whole situation is like, that was his moment. And my moment was like, <laughs> that fully, was not your moment. <laughs> fully different. Like I go to the yeah. gym to work out. I have my child with me. Like I am not trying to meet anybody. And so yeah. I have my hater hat on, like, don't even look at me. And I walk in and I see this man and I immediately recognize him and, and I know his story. And then I'm watching him stare at me and I'm like, <laughs> wow, he's a pastor and he has no integrity. Like, are you just staring at every girl that walks uh, in? Apparently oh I wasn't very God. subtle. <laughs> but these are like my thoughts. So first oh impressions God. just wasn't great. So I'm like, man, I am going to avoid him like the plague. I'm just not even around him. And so I just kept on like going out of my way to not even be next to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> so she starts like stretching over before the cl- class starts with a group of girls that she was going to PA school with at the time. And I kind of meander over there trying to listen to their conversation. Cause I'm going, I don't know if this girl loves Jesus. Right. That's obviously the first thing that I've got to figure out. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But I like, hear uh... <laughs> in this stretching conversation, they're talking about a KB concert that they went to, which if you oh know, your listeners gosh, might know, KB yes. is a Christian rap artist. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is There's amazing. Chance. There's She's, a chance. She at least <laughs> likes Christian rap, right? That, I mean, yeah. that's like a double win. So, like, there's, there's, yeah, there, you're telling me there's a chance. And so, I, I remember just trying to engage in the conversation, thinking that I was being all suave and stuff. And I had, I was so clunky when it came. I mean, it had been <laughs> ten years since I had dated. You know, yes. been in the dating scene, quote unquote. And I'm like fumbling my way through this thing. And, uh, and she just didn't want to give me any attention that, that n- like did not give me the time of day. And so, you know, that was that it was took about six months. Shortly after that, she started attending the church that I was pastoring because a lot of the folks in our CrossFit gym were attending the church. And so she kind of got swept up in that community of folks that were attending. And I just kept noticing her coming, come in the doors of our church, walk through the, um, walk through the hallway. And she, you know, I could tell there was a story attached to her because she was bringing her daughter and coming in, checking in to our kids ministry, but there was never a ring and there was never uh, a man with her. And so I'm going, okay, there's something here. There's a past to her, but she just had me captivated because she's coming into church um, and she's bringing a Bible, like an actual Bible, you know, like a big, you know, and and then she's, (laughs) she's engaging as I'm preaching, she's engaging in the, in the message, she's taking notes. And I'm like, She's riveted here. Well, she's unbelievably gorgeous, really well put together, walks through the, you know, church atrium in these heels. But then on the weekends, she's serving in our inner city ministry. She's like got these jeans on and this, you know, like tattered shirt. And she's got her work gloves on and she's certain. And I'm going, something is just riveting about this girl. Well, I try throughout six months (laughs) trying to figure out a way to at least find, like get a conversation with her. Like, (laughs) 
stand in her way as she's walking through the church atrium, right? <laughs> Normally, all these people are coming up to you after you preach, and they're coming to talk to you. She doesn't. She makes a beeline out the door, never wants to come <laughs> talk to me, and she's the only one I want to talk to. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, what's so funny too, Davy, is I talk a lot about this thing I call drop the hanky, and so many people are like, "Well, how do I do that?" I'm like, "Well, the first step, everyone, if you see someone that you're interested in, the first step is you have to get in proximity because <laughs> a lot right. of people are just at church and they see a cute person every week in and out they're like that person I see them they maybe looked in my direction that means they know who I am yeah. and really they don't know you at all they don't really care about you you know that is, you have right. to get in their proximity and I love that so that's everybody listening that's step one okay? that's I know right someone you like but you even get think in about their like proximity the, well the gob part about it all it's like here I am yeah. like purposely not wanting to be anywhere close yeah. to him. And there was yes. one point where I had to leave church early, which I never did. I had to go get my daughter and I really had to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. So I left and I, in the atrium, it was only him there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I remember thinking, oh no, yeah. I have to say hi. <laughs> like, that would be so rude if I just kept my eyes down and walked past. I was like, so we had a full conversation and he got hopeful from that conversation. Oh, <laughs> For me, it was like, oh no, but that was the God part because I never, again, the, the never thing, like I never left church early. Like I never went and got my kid early. So the fact that we were both there at the same part, at, like time, yeah. that was so God. And so yeah. it's like, we can control a lot of things. Um, but I also know like if we're trying to do the opposite, I was trying to control not being around him, you know, <laughs> that God will also do the opposite too. He's like, nope, I'm going to find a way for you guys to talk, yeah. you know? Well, so then what's crazy is about four months into this dance, um, I was actually in the middle of the week of the deadline for, for my publisher to turn in my book called Nothing Is Wasted. And, and so I'm asking God, I'm like in these seven and eight hour writing sessions and asking God, God, what is the story? Like, what is your story in all of this? How do I help people with hope? What are you trying to do to redeem my story? I just need you to open my eyes to this. And the CrossFit gym uh, owner had been so kind to give me a key to go in after hours. So he knew I was in the middle of writing and he's like, Hey, just come in, kind of decompress, work out on your own, that sort of deal. So I'm heading in to go work out after hours. Christy is leaving the last class and I'm like, this is, this is the moment I can like, <laughs> so I corner her very, very pastorally. Very. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I go, Hey, you've been coming to my church for like four months now. And I know nothing about you. I don't know your Jesus story. I don't know anything like, tell me about yourself. And Again, I think I'm being suave and she's seeing right through it. And she yes. starts she starts telling me her story. Well, she tells me later that she was trying to tell me all the ugly of her story. I was like, yeah, I go to bars and I hang out with my friends at the, like, in the party scene. Like, I just made up stuff at that point. You did? And, no way. And I didn't hear any of it. All I heard was that after college, she had spent some years overseas doing missions work. And I'm going, wait. Like she's passionate about ministry, about missions. That's all I'm hearing, right? Like, and so you're locked in on that. Exactly. So, I, so I go, hey, that, is that why you're serving in our inner city ministry? Is your passion about missions? She goes, well, yeah, but also my my stepdad and my mom live in that neighborhood. And Kate, this is like a very depressed neighborhood in Indianapolis. I mean, forty percent vacancy, sixteen murders that had taken place in one month. It was a neighborhood that our church because of my story and trying to intercept kids and teenagers before they step into a life of gang-related and drug-related activity, our church had decided we're going to adopt this neighborhood, serve in this neighborhood, 
and really try to help turn things around. I mean, when we say bad, like my daughter's stroller was shot up in my mom in the back of my mom's trunk. Like wow. my parents' wow. house was yeah. gas bombed. The house next to it mm-hmm. caught on fire. The the house across the street, there was a murder with a body thrown in the middle of the, of the road. Wow. Like this oh is goodness. a very aggressive neighborhood yeah. that my parents live in. So she says that. Well, she said, well, my parents also, they live in this neighborhood. And I was like, wait, hold on by choice? And she goes, yeah, that's, you know, part of my, my stepdad's been there for like 17 years. That's part of what he feels like he's in ministry. It feels like his calling to kind of incarnationally step into those kinds of spaces and help people who are underprivileged or down and out. And I was like, wow. I said, well, you know, the reason that we are in that neighborhood as a church is because of our story. And I just kind of shared exactly what I shared with you guys just now. You know, this is coming out of like, we want to prevent what happened to our family to happening to any other families and, and really change the trajectory of these kids' lives. She goes, yeah, I'm really familiar with your story, but I'm probably more familiar than what you would like to know. Oh my gosh. And I was like, like wait, okay. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean by that? Now, now keep in mind up to this point, I had been really wrestling with the Lord because I was intrigued by this girl and God had started opening up this aspect of my heart that I thought was dead. And I started just praying, God, you know, for a few months, God, if you ever bring me another wife, would you bring me someone who loves you more than she loves me? Right. That, that you are her first priority. That was the case with my late wife. Um, you could tell she had a passionate, passionate um, love affair with Jesus. I mean, just absolutely in love with her. And I wanted that in my my next wife. And I said, it, 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 would you make sure that she loves me too? Because that would be nice. And, <laughs> and then would you make sure that she loves Weston, my son, who was 15 months at the time of the, the tragedy, that she would adopt him as her own? And then w- would she love Amanda? And the story that like you're writing in all of this and the ministry that you're spawning out of all of this, I knew that if I were to marry ever again, I, my job as a communicator, a pastor, an evangelist, I'm traveling to churches all over the country, sharing our story. This woman would have to sit on the front row and not just pallet the idea that I'm talking about, you know, my love for my late wife, you know, and what God's doing out of this, but, but champion it. And so I'm praying these things. She sits here in this conversation, tells me, Hey, I'm really connected to your story. And I'm going to wait. How are you connected? She hesitates for a, a moment. She says, well, um, my stepdad is a chaplain for Marion County Prison System, and he's actually been assigned to the three guys that killed Amanda. Oh, my. And he shares God. the gospel with them wow. daily. He shares the gospel with them. And I, like, wow. I was dumbfounded. I just stopped. Like, I mean, okay. yeah. what in the world? And so here's this girl that I'm intrigued by that's like two arms lengths away from the men that killed my late wife. And I'm going, I wish there was something profound that came out of my mouth. It wasn't at all. The only thing that came out of my mouth at that moment was like, do you want to go get some dinner sometime? <laughs> it literally is like a movie where it's like this big dramatic moment and it's like, do you want to get dinner? I want to get dinner sometime. It was what, but I it's saw like it immediately. I was moment. like, yeah, God uh-huh. is providentially doing something right here. And I've got to track this down. I got to get to the bottom of this. What are you doing? Because again, I'm in the middle of finishing this book and asking God, what is the story that you're writing in my life right now? And like, how are you trying to redeem this? And it was right there confronting me in the face, you know, staring at me at this CrossFit gym. Yeah. And, and that for him was like a more of a catapulting of, oh, I, th- I think I'm inter- more interested yeah. in her. I want to start pursuing something. And for me, I remember leaving that night, like, wow, there are actual good men out there and I will wait, but Davey's not my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but not uh, him. No, but yes. thanks God for yeah. showing me that yes. they exist. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 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 <laughs> yep. So for the next, what, 
two or three months, I just kind of like kept trying to pursue her and they would always be like, Hey, when are you bringing Natalia to the gym so I can bring Weston and they can play together, you know? And it's this whole, like trying to (laughs) very incognito. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And she would always kind of shut things down. And I remember once this is the, this is, I'm almost ashamed of this, but (laughs) I was trying to figure out with my church staff, like, how do I, how do I get in touch with the, I don't have her number. I don't, you know, and they were like, Davey, you're the pastor of a church. She volunteers in our church. You have her number in the database. Just like, Uh, that's messed up, right? That's messed up. You're right. (laughs) Oh my gosh, (laughs) But I was like, Like, well, how do I, I could just randomly text her. I know. I'm going, I don't want her to think I'm not courageous enough to ask for her number, but I also don't want her to think I'm a creep because here's her pastor asking her for her number. (laughs) It (laughs) is a conundrum. (laughs) So anyways, she left enough door. You can talk a little bit about it, but she, she left enough doors open. She would shut things down over and over and over and then just kind of barely crack the door open. And I would like take that open door and like, okay, so you're telling me there's a chance. Okay. You know, yeah, exactly. I think the beautiful thing about our story in general is like God's fingerprints were all over the whole entire time. Yeah. And just to, I think I love the verse for women who are dating. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised because we can easily as women just use our beauty, use our charm to get our way. We can manipulate yeah. all day long. Oh yeah. And for me, I said to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I I, up until that point, I felt like the guys I chose were just not great men. And and I'm like, I obviously don't have a great meter for understanding what guy I need to be with. So Lord, like, unless you bring him, like smack me in the face, like bring him to me, like I will not move forward because I obviously don't understand how to do this and I will not manipulate a situation. So the first time I felt a glimpse, I mean, it was like in February, it was like six months after, you know, mm-hmm. we were like first met. And I remember just feeling this like loneliness and I never felt lonely up until that point. I got so cold hearted about all that and just so dead to all that. Cause you just, you're, you're sick and tired of being lonely, lonely. So you're like, I'm done. I'm done being lonely. I can be by myself. I can be with my daughter. And I just started feeling lonely that night. And I was going to take my daughter to Chick-fil-A family night. And I was kind of sick and tired of sitting there at the table by myself while my daughter went and played in the play place. And like, I didn't want to be lonely that night. And so I was like, man, it would be so nice to go with him. And that was the first time I've ever entertained the idea of hanging out with him. And and I just said, no, Christy, you are not a great gauge and you're not going to manipulate this. You, you won't lead him on because you don't want him. You don't want the story that revolves around him. You, you want someone like him. So don't lead him on and hurt him. He's already been hurt enough. So I just said, Lord, I give this to you. I'm not going to control this. So if you have him ask me, and up until that point, he never really asked me to do yeah. anything by Nothing ourselves. One-on-one. It was like roundabout ways. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was always yeah. like group dating or what, like ha- hanging out with the group somehow or whatever. And so I was like, I knew that was impossible. So it's like, give God the impossible thing and watch him work. And so literally that night, I say that to the Lord, unless he asked me, I will never, I won't go out with him. And so we ended the the workout. And after the workout, we sat down watching our kids play outside of the gym. And he was like, well, what are you going to do tonight? I was like, well, I'm actually going to take Natalia to uh, Chick-fil-A family night. And he was like, well, what are the odds? I am too. But I wasn't. He was not. I wasn't at all. He was not. (laughs) Just a little small white lie. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a great idea. I'm doing that too. (laughs) When I hear this being told back, this does sound very creepy. No, it's not. You you go in. You have to ask, you know? And so when when he said, he was like, you want to go together? I just got chills because it was like the impossible. Like he would have never done that. And I knew God, I just said, God, what are you doing? Like that was the first thought was, God, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just going to step 
like each day, like how the Israelites, when they, you know, are getting out of Egypt, like the pillar, you know, a fire in the cloud, like, God, I will just follow you. Whatever the next step is, I'm just going to trust you. And that was a long trusting journey until we got married. And it was a beautiful story, but it was it was funny. Davey was like, that was the best dating like ever. Like all the, like how much I loved you and how in love we were. And I'm like, that was torturous for me. It was a lot of healing and trusting God and wanting to break up with him multiple times to just run and to protect myself. Well, that I actually want to dig into that just for a second, because I've heard that, heard you share a little bit about that too, Christy. And you know, you mentioned you dated, you, your picker was a little off in the past. Oh, like you yeah. didn't pick necessarily the best guys. And I know I can personally relate to that in my story. And I know there's so many people listening that can relate to that. And what happens is when you're dating someone new, the, a lot of the trauma has to do with like relating to men. And what is this man going to bring, man going to bring to you? Because most of the track record says that guys are like this, you know? And so I know that for you it was, it was harder to, to trust him and like to feel like he would accept all of you and be the true man of his word. So what were some of the things that happened for you guys that help for you guys to build trust? Because here's the thing that people don't understand. I just will say this is like, we see the Disney movies all the time and we see all the things that are like, you know, the journey to find the quest to find the right person. And then, you know, finally you get the person and then you live happily ever after. But literally the reality is you maybe find someone you want to date, but then that's when the relationship starts. And so we don't see is after the finding of the person that you potentially want to be with is the hard stuff, the building of trust, the learning communication, the, you know, somebody might have trauma in their past and you're working that comes out in the, in the midst of intimacy. And that often comes out in dating, you know? And so I'm curious for you guys, both with different backgrounds, but still coming to the relationship pretty raw. What were some things that helped you to build trust in that in the midst of that dating process? Yeah. So I think the biggest two things for me would be full dependence on the Lord mm. and having an open hand. I think when you first date and you get all those feelings, that's when I feel like your hands start to close in and make a fist of like, I can't let this go. And that's when you kind of know there's a drug. Like that, that is some kind of like void that should not be filled by that man. Yeah. And if you cannot have an open hand, you're not going to be able to trust and depend on God's next step for you. So I don't feel like I did that well before, but for whatever reason, and it's probably just supernatural, like the Lord just working through me, like he kept my hand open the whole entire time. And when I decided, I said, God, I will trust you in every step of the way. And it was every single day, something new. And so every day, the biggest thing for me was spend time with your heavenly father. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to get a fix from him and get a text from him that's going to make me feel all the butterflies. I need the fix from the Lord. I need a drink from the actual well that will give me joy, um, that will give me everlasting life and will give me discernment and wisdom. And so for me, I spent so much more time with the Lord digging down deep. And I would pray every morning, Lord, give me my daily bread and give me my next steps with with my life, not just with Davy. And I think that's the other thing. We we make the guy we date the Lord of our life at that yeah. point. And I yeah. did that so yeah. many times. Yeah. And I said, not this time. I'm not doing it this time, Lord. This right. is this is way too much, you know. So I actually, because I know my propensities, I actually walked the dating process out with my counselor, as weird yeah. as that could sound. Yeah, okay. I was already yeah, in counseling 
And Davey, like it just, and, and that's God for you. Cause I was already seeing a counselor consistently. And then we happen to meet while I'm with that counselor. And so I would just, every time I was triggered, I would bring it to her and say, Hey, and there was multiple times I would go, I'm breaking up with Davey today. And, <laughs> today, and she would say, it's happening today, yes. but I'm going to talk to you first yes. just in case. <laughs> and she would say, why? And I said, I just realized like every time he does something, in, in a safe way. This is the weird thing. When it's safe, it's fearful when you've had so much trauma yeah, with men. Exactly. Yes. Because it feels unnatural. It You're like, very this, unnatural. the safety feels so weird to me. Like the consistency yes. doesn't feel right. I'm used to the chaos. I'm used to the inconsistency. Yes. I'm used to the abandoning and I'm used to the lying. And so like the, 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 the healthy things feel that much. Unfortunately, you have to really work to retrain yourself. That's <laughs> uncharted territory at that point. You're yeah. used to surviving and drowning and coming back up for every once in a while. But exactly. I'm like, yeah. I have a lifeboat here and a life vest <laughs> and I am good, but I'm questioning the safety, you yeah. know? And so I remember just telling her, I'm like, man, I am broken and I, he might not be healing well. I don't really know. I can't tell because I don't know him from the, you know, before it all happened. So I was like two broken people that like, again, there's all these percentages with like failed marriages, especially after you've been divorced one time and getting married again. And then with blending, it's even higher, they say. Mm -hmm. So you hear the bad news of that and you're like, man, then I shouldn't even do that because I'm be set up for, I don't want to be a statistic. Like mm -hmm. I already am and I'm going to be set up for failure. So I said, you know, we're two broken people and I just feel like I need to move forward. And she, and I said, I don't want him to be my crutch. And the most beautiful thing that she said, or vice versa, you know, like for me to be his crutch, like the two broken people don't match. And she said like this, don't you think that the Lord knew exactly the type of man you would need to be healed? And I looked at her and I said, that goes against everything I've ever learned in my entire life. They say, never go in a dating relationship to get healed. No man will ever heal you, depend on the Lord. And I said, I refuse to let a man heal me. That is the thing that has crushed me my whole entire life. And she said this specifically, and it was the most beautiful thing ever. Just God, what he'll do is the same thing that wounded you. Mm. A lot of times he'll use it to be the same thing that will heal you. Mm but you have to trust him. And so she said, don't you think, and I go, but I want the father to heal me. I don't, I don't want Davy to heal me. And she said, don't you think that the father, when she's, oh, no, let me back up a bit. She said, don't you think when a surgeon, when he's doing a surgery on someone and he heals somebody, do you think the surgeon healed somebody or that the father guided the surgeon's hand to do the surgery to allow the healing to happen? And he said, let Davy be your surgeon. But the, even the words as someone who's been so healed, like so hurt by men to allow, like the word allow or let another man do something to me, even if it's in a positive way, was very hard for me to allow that control, to yeah. give that up to the Lord and say, yes, I'll let this man heal me. Yeah. And what's beautiful is, so I said, I don't know if I can do that. Like it, it felt like I would die if I allowed that to happen, because I was so close fisted about that specific room in my heart. Like I can give so many aspects of my heart to people, but that like with men, I'm like, I will hold that on. There's a lock on there. And no one will get to it. And she said this, she goes, Christy, what you got to realize is this, you're reminding me of the man at the pools of Bethesda. Yes. Basically the story. Oh, yes. 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 Basically the story is, and I never even, it's weird. I've read this part in the Bible a million times, <laughs> but when she said it, I was like, no, this has to be like a lie. <laughs> Basically she said, what happened is every year an angel come down, stir the waters, and then people would jump into the fountain where the water got stirred and then they'd be healed. 
And she said that there was this man who was lame that would sit there every year and never get healed. And so Jesus came up to him and said, why aren't you healed? And he said, well, I, the, to the person who could save him, heal him, and, and poof, yes. in one touch, he gave an excuse. Yep. Exactly. He said, I couldn't get yeah. up and get in there. And she goes, Christy, that is what you are doing. <laughs> You're trying to say, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. She's like, we've been doing these sessions for so long, and you always say how much you want to heal, and you want to fix it. But the issue is you're trying to fix it yourself, and mm. you're not doing anything when the Lord is leading you and guiding you, and you're afraid. Yeah. Wow. And so that was the most powerful thing to start my journey of trusting and depending on the Lord, saying, okay. So I said, well, how do I practically do this then? Because it's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And she said, don't open the door and just slam it open. Like, here, wide open. Here's like, my heart. Here's yeah, my here heart. You here you go. Yeah. Here's all it is. Yes. She oh said, just gosh. give him a crack. Yeah. Just give him a little bit. Just give him a tiny bit. Just tell him just some, maybe one vulnerable thing that you would not and see if he was safe. And if he creates that safe place for you, then try again. And then if he's not safe, then you know that's when you need to move on. And it was like, as simple as that sounds, for someone who's been so emotionally abused by so many men, it it, it was like, okay, this is going to be scary. I, I don't know if I can do it, but I will try. Yeah. And it's neat to see like how the Lord just strengthened me the whole entire way. And that's why it was torture. Like the moment Davy would be safe, I would back away and pull away like a scared dog, you know, like beating, you know, yeah. like a humane society dog. Like it was just so scary to do that, yes. but he was yeah. always safe. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things that we are continually learning in our relationship in terms of both of us healing from different types of trauma. You know, we call my, my trauma, we tend to term it big T trauma, like this massive tragedy that happens. And then with Christy, we call it little T trauma. It's this compounding effect of all these little things that, that kind of have gone unaddressed and now are surfacing. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing that we've learned is just being safe for each other. Yep. You know, that was one of the yeah. biggest things that drew yeah. my heart to her and helped me to trust her is that I remember one night while we're dating, sitting on the couch and I was just, I was struggling with something, um, just a, a, a cycle of grief from Amanda and I wasn't sure if Christy was safe enough for me to talk to her about the real vulnerable aspects of how I was feeling about that. And, 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 and I, and I tried, I kind of put myself out there and she welcomed it with such a warm, um, you know, and I say embrace as a metaphor. I mean, she did hug me that night too, but like just, it, just allowing me to, to t- talk to her about this woman that I loved and that I'm missing. And I'm talking to this girl now that I'm falling in love with that, like, that breaks yeah, and defies wow. all the rules of dating, right? <laughs> yes. But it was so necessary for me because what it showed me is that she is creating a safe space for me to continue on this healing journey. And she is, and she not only is creating that space, but she understands it. She gets pain. She understands what it feels like to be vulnerable and exposed. And I think that's what we find when it comes to creating a safe space with each other is it's so scary because it requires uh, it requires us to be vulnerable. It requires us to be exposed. It requires us to put down kind of our own guard and armor in yep. order to create that safety. It requires us to put down our insecurities. I mean, mm-hmm. I have no idea still if there were some insecurities even in that moment that were rising up inside of her. But if there was, she chose to not let those overtake her in that moment. And she chose to say, no, I'm going to be a safe space for Davey right here because I love him and I don't need him to satiate something inside of me. I want to be this for him. And, um, you know, and so for me, that's, that's where it began to kind of 
I, I began to go, I can trust her. I can, and, and I started falling more in love with her um, in those, those kinds of moments. Friends, my goodness, I am so excited about our sponsor for today. They are one of my favorite brands. Today, we're talking about Warby Parker. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Recently, I tried Warby Parker's free home try-on and I got five different frames. It was so fun and easy. Within a few days of selecting, I got five different frames sent to my house. I tried both sunglasses and glasses that would double as blue light glasses. And there were definitely two main keepers, the Beale sunglasses in jet black and the Alston glasses in the color champagne. I love both of them so much, and I especially love that the prescription glasses double as blue light glasses because I tend to wear them at night or in movies to watch movies. Warby Parker's blue light glasses filter more blue light than their standard polycarbonate or high index lenses. I love it. So friend, what do you say? Don't let your FSA or HSA dollars go to waste. Put them to good use on Warby Parker prescription glasses, prescription sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams. You can also try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free for five days. There is no obligation to buy at all. The frames ship for free and include a prepaid return shipping label. That's super easy. You can try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com forward slash HOD. That's warbyparker.com forward slash HOD. I can't wait to see y'all rocking your Warby Parker glasses. Let me ask you, is there something interfering or preventing you from really being in a healthy dating relationship? I don't know about you, but for me, dating has become a huge eye-opener of things in my life that I personally need to reflect on, heal from, and grow in. It's like when you start dating, the floodgates of past things come bubbling to the surface. It's like, okay, gotta deal with them. Anyone else feel me on this? Now, instead of being afraid of those things, what's helped me through this process is not only mentorship from other peers, but actually going and seeking counseling. Y'all know what I'm saying, therapy. Now, many of you guys ask me for therapy resources, and the issue is I don't know therapists all around the country, but I found a solution. Today, I want to introduce you to something I know you're going to love called Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian-based online therapy service. They're going to assess your specific needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that is the best for helping you through whatever you're going through. The best part is it's a solution for anyone who wants traditional mental health counseling but wants it done from a Christian lens. That's especially why I love this service. And get this, you guys. You can fill out your needs and start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. That means get off here right now, fill out a form, and start communicating with someone tomorrow. And for my listeners not in the U.S., you guys, this is available worldwide for you. Let me tell you, I have been doing therapy from the comfort of my home since the beginning of 2019, and it's been a game changer for me. You can show up in your jammies and feel super relaxed. You can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor, aka when you're having a down day, and you can expect a timely and thoughtful response. If for any reason you need to change counselors, you can do that for free. Now let's talk money, 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 because I know you guys are thinking about it. One of the top reasons I love Faithful Counseling is because it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and there's even financial aid available. 
so good for all of us single dating people on a budget. You know what I'm saying? Now I cannot be more thrilled to share this with you guys today. And right now for Heart of Dating listeners, Faithful Counseling is offering you 10% off your first month by visiting faithfulcounseling.com forward slash heart of dating. Therapy is hands down one of the best decisions I've ever made for my life, you guys. You will never regret investing in your own personal growth. So I highly encourage you to check it out and get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com forward slash heart of dating. And it's just so unique, your guys' situation. But the reality is that I love, which we continue to highlight in this conversation is, you know, there, I love you said it earlier, Davey, like there's never a perfect place where you're like perfectly healed. And now I'm like ready to date, you know, I'm like, I'm ready to make it happen. And to your point, Christy, earlier, there are seasons where you may want to take a dating break, you know, where you're like, wow, I really am knowing myself. I'm really utilizing this to fill a void that I need to be, that I need to rewire. I need a little break here to kind of refocus or reshift my energy towards God and going to the well first and foremost versus getting that text from a guy or going on a dating app to get those affirmations, you know? But the reality is, too, you can be healed as much as you want, quote unquote, Um, but new things will come up when you're dating, you know, like melding together people who have been through trauma, either one or both people. It's there's so much uniqueness that can and there's no blueprint. There's no exact blueprint for like ABC. (laughs) But the but the thing that is so important that you guys are highlighting is creating that safe space and and learning. I think also like learning to choose to see the best in the person to like have a generous assumption, which is so hard when there could be a lot of fear attached to the trauma and the vulnerability that you're sharing, but like choosing to like have a generous assumption for this new person that you're talking to and choosing to invest in. And something I also want to highlight in y'all's story that I heard um, you guys say at some point, but I know that you guys didn't, or Davey, you didn't tell Christy that you loved her until after nine months. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to just... Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to hear a little bit about why, what, what the point of that was for you guys and why that was so important. Because what I often see in, in relationships is people like jumping real fast and it's like all the things and all the commitment right away. And I just would love to hear a little bit for why that was so important for you guys. Well, you know, Christy can share what, why it was such a a big thing for her. Um, but for, for me, it was like in the, in the practice of it while you're dating, is practicing it. But love is, is not this feeling or an emotion. Love is a decision. And it's a decision for commitment. It's a decision to say, hey, I'm committed to you. I'm pursuing you. Saying I love you for the first time is not saying, hey, will you marry me? Some people choose to couple those together. And that's that's totally fine. You know, They choose not to say I love you until you know, maybe putting a, ri- a ring on the finger. But I do believe it is a level of commitment that says, hey, I am choosing you. And I'm, a choosing, I'm choosing to continue this journey with you, even if the emotions may not be there one day. Right. Even if the emotions kind of wax and wane over the course of, you know, certain seasons, <laughs> I'm still I'm still choosing you. And that for me, that you know, I love you is such a big uh, phrase and commitment that I wanted to make sure that I was um, that I was committed to all of the implications that came behind that phrase. I love you. Not knowing that she had had a lot of, you know, trauma from her past where men had told her they love her and then had, you know, that had wound up hollow. Um, and so that was for me, that was the decision in in that process. Yeah. He would talk about like possible future things, like just, you know, when you, whenever you date someone, you're starting to be really serious with them. That's just a natural progression is where you just start talking about like the future. Mm -hmm. And the moment he would, it would trigger me. And I would say, Hey, like, let's not do that because 
again, experience after experience. The best analogy is this, like, you know, you you take a baby and anytime they learn something, it's immediate, like, this is, this is truth. And an example would be, um, you take a baby and you take a hot stove. If they accidentally touch the stove and they burn themselves, they say that is hot. So even if the stove is off, their brain says that is hot and that's not safe. And so that's Mm -hmm. the neural pathway in your brain that's created saying that that is not safe. And so over and time and time again, I realized like men are, they lie. You know, they'll, they'll put a ring on your finger. And this is, again, this is not truth now, but that was my truth then. Men will put a ring on your finger. They'll still break up with you. They'll still cheat on you. They'll leave you. They'll say whatever they want to say to get whatever they want to get. And so that was my experience. So in my mind, until the day I walked down the aisle, I could not trust Davey. And as weird as that sounds, the more trauma you have, the more you'll understand that you put on this guard, guarded armor. You're like, I will not allow you to destroy me and hurt me because I will not allow that to happen again like it happened before. And so for me, it's like the stove is hot. The stove is hot. Even if Davey was saved, like in my brain, it's saying he, it's hot. It's hot. Don't get burned. Don't get burned. And so I honestly, as weird as it sounds, but for someone with trauma, they get it. The moment I walked down the aisle was the moment I decided to fully trust him and to fully give him my full entire heart. Mm-hmm. And as weird as that sounds, we, I would never let him talk about the future. Yeah. I, I got so sick and tired of men telling me that they loved me early on. And I could not catch up to that point. I did not. Love was not an easy emotion for me to give to somebody, especially if it was a man. And so for me, when he waited that long, it was the most beautiful gift he could have given me because I knew I loved him at that point too. Yeah. And so it gave me the space to know where my heart was at at that point. Yeah, it was kind of surprising to you that I wasn't telling you early on that I love you. Yes. You know, but it, it wasn't, it, she could tell I was committed or I was like pursuant yeah. in the relationship, but she was like, what in the world? Why is he not telling me that every other guy has always told me early on that they love me yes. trying to get something from me. And what's the beautiful thing about how God redeemed all of that for me is now not all men lie. Not all men leave. Davy's not, because he's a man, he's not going to leave me and abandon me. I mean, I think, and that's what the beautiful thing that God can heal us in, because we have these lies in our mind consistently. We just don't even know we have these lies because yeah. our triggers tell us, but sometimes we don't, we're not aware of our triggers. Right. And, and we're, you know, and like for on, on my side of things, like for me, this kind of goes back to Kate, what you're talking about. Like, when do you know it, it's appropriate, especially after dealing with loss or trauma or whatever? Yes, you know actually, that was a, a thing in my head right now. So I'm glad <laughs> you that up. Yes. Well, I think it goes back to this idea of what we've been circling around right now is, are am I approaching this relationship to get something, to fill some kind of void, to fill some kind of emptiness? And if I can be, you know, self-aware enough and introspective enough, which is very difficult when you're in the middle of pain. So I would always counsel somebody to have a team around you, Mm -hmm. put a team around you. That's going to help you that love you, that are not afraid to tell you the things you need to hear, not the things you want to hear that love, Mm -hmm. that love you more than they love the relationship. Like these are the kinds of voices that you need in your life that, that can help to guard you from making some of these emotionally driven decisions that are coming from a place of loneliness or grief or, you know, trauma. And so I I think that as you're assessing that and becoming self-aware, can you say, am I approaching this relationship to give or to take? 
And, you know, scripture gives us some guidelines for how we're to approach relationships. It talks about, you know, love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's patient. It's kind, right? It does not envy. It does not boast. And so it gives us some parameters. It also, as a husband, Ephesians tells me that I'm supposed to love um, my wife the way that Christ loves the church, giving himself up for her. So I'm supposed to be willing to lay everything down about my life for my bride. And if I'm not ready for that yet, I'm not ready for a commitment. And, um, you know, that, that gets tested, you know, where you're, where you go all of a sudden your own ambition or your own desires kind of rise up inside of you, whether it's in the middle of a conflict or something like that. And you go, no, wait a minute. Like Christ has told me to, to love her the same way that he loved me, giving myself up for her. And I think that was kind of the, that was kind of the litmus test for me. It was like, am I willing, am I able to walk into this relationship? I may not be fully healed, but am I able to walk into this relationship looking more toward how can I give to her? not what can I get from her. I think what's so interesting too about what you're bringing up, Davey, is like I I see so many people that come to dating where, you know, maybe they didn't have the best examples of what a healthy, godly relationship should look like mm, through their yeah. parents or through yeah. in their life. And therefore, they're just functioning with the tools that they've been given. But I really think that this is a great opportunity that no matter what your upbringing was and your past was, you know, looking at your tools, your raw materials and saying, you know, this is maybe what I was given, but it doesn't mean I can't sharpen some of these. It doesn't right. mean I can't add yep. to these. It doesn't mean I can't, just because my family isn't the best model of what they should have looked like, doesn't mean I can't be around families, get around healthy families that I want to model my life like, or have mentors in my life that want to pour into me and seek after that. Because I know like I haven't had a good experience of, you know, healthy father, lo- like love from a father. And so I don't want to become that kind of man, or I don't want to become that kind of girl that fears men like that. So how do I get around men that are safe? How do I look at relationships that are safe? And how do I bring people in my life? Like you talked about, Davey, I call the, I call it my board of advisor for life people. And they're like the people in my life, different kinds of people that, you know, in situations, they're the ones I'm going to, you know, and in a dating situation, I'm going to, I'm going to go after seeking those people. And of course I have my therapist too, but you know, those are the tools because my upbringing and my past with men and dating was not great. I didn't have great models. And so instead of just going into dating, being like, well, this is the best I can do. No, you can do more, (laughs) you know, like you can be empowered to do as much healing as you can and get in new situations and surround yourself with new people that are going to be models for you. And so I think that Gosh, and when we don't actually proactively seek that out, when we get into a dating situation that gets hard and difficult or somebody has a need or somebody has trauma, we don't know how to deal with that. We're like, oh, run, Forrest, run, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and that's often what has happened these days, you know? Right. So one thing I'm taking away too from our conversation you get today, you guys, is that, you know, there isn't one process for how this all works, you know? With you guys both being single parents, Davey, you being a leader in ministry, also being a widower, like there isn't one way to approach dating (laughs) and there isn't one way to say, you know, this is an amount of time that needed to happen for you, Davey, before you ever stepped into dating again, you know? So I'm just, I want to, because we get so many specific questions and, and I appreciate the questions. I love it. I know it's coming from a place of like, what do I do here? But, you know, there isn't one specific way for it to work. Right. We always say as we're working with other other people in general when it comes to pain and trauma, but specifically as we're working with widows, widowers, divorcees, there's no one right way to do it, but there's a thousand wrong ways to do it. 
So let's try to set up some parameters to stay away from the wrong ways to do it. And then let's let God guide us on what our specific right way of doing it is that obviously lines up with his ways and scripture, but he writes unique stories and he's always in the business of doing something new. He's not going to do a carbon copy of your, of someone else's story into your life. He wants to do something new in you. And that new is to give off this beautiful glory that he wants to bring out in your life so that so that people see who Jesus is because of the story he's written in your life. Yeah. Yes. Well, it, I mean just even like what you, with what you were saying though too about just if you didn't grow up with everything that like a great foundation and and being taught how to parent well and everything. I mean that was a struggle for me when I mean I just I really want to speak into that for anyone who is a single parent right now who didn't have a great upbringing, to, who didn't have a great example, yeah. um, and where we're supposed to run to for that. I remember um, having to make really hard parenting decisions, and I would just cry like, who do I ask for help? Yeah. Like, it's just me, and I don't really have a great foundation, so who do I ask? And so I just remember going on my knees crying to the Lord, saying, Lord, you say you're my heavenly Father. Like, please show up and give me the discernment and wisdom. And I think of the verse in Second Peter, says one three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And so I really, every pairing decision, I went to my knees and I prayed to the Lord. I said, what do I do? And what's the most beautiful thing about that is Davey grew up with an amazing foundation. I mean, he will tell his parents, I have no trauma from the way you raised me, which is very (laughs) shocking because even as healthy parents, we give our kids trauma. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he and I, when we came together and we were dating, we parented the exact same way. And it was shocking for me because I'm like, I should have so many like weirdness, like weird aspects in the way I'm parenting. And I don't. And it just shows that God does give us the tools that we need. If we seek him, he does fulfill those things. And so even the way, even like dating, like how do I date? How do I find someone who's healthy? I mean, we don't, we don't have a good gauge for that. We don't Mm -hmm. understand. Like we saw what we saw. We saw like for my parents, it wasn't a great relationship between the two of them, you know? And so I saw that type of man and that was normal for me. So I'm like, how do I pick a man that's not that, but not trying to be extreme and go opposite? And, you know, I'll never date someone like my dad. Like, that's how we say, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, how do you go that way? And so what was beautiful uh, about the whole thing was knowing my foundation wasn't great and also experiencing that Christian men usually don't love. And this is like my experience. It's not the truth, but my experience was Christian men don't want a woman with my baggage. Mm. That's just... I, I did not expect to marry a strong, godly man because I didn't think they would accept me for who I was. And I didn't feel like I deserved a strong, godly man. And so when Davey and I started dating, I was like, oh, he just thinks I'm just amazing. So I'm just going to tell him every bad thing I've ever done <laughs> and all the bad things that will make any other Christian man run away. And so I remember one night sitting down and just sharing all the stuff. And then I really was so smug, like now he'll leave. Now he'll walk away. And it's not me, you know, breaking up with him and hurting him. And he looked at me after the gross, nastiest thing that I'm the most ashamed about. And he just said, you know, none of that changes anything and actually endears me to you. And it just reminds me of the story of like Gomer and Hosea. Gomer was the prostitute. Hosea was a prophet who was told to go and marry her. She leaves him and she does her bad ways and he still goes and pursues her and gets her back. And that is the whole picture of Jesus and our father. They love us so much. They love and cherish us that when we don't even deserve the best, he brings us the best. Mm. 
Amen. This is so funny that you're bringing that up because I'm re- reading Redeeming Love right now. I don't oh, know why. It's the first that time. Book is the best book. <laughs> Everyone yeah. needs to read that book. And I've like been hearing about it for, I mean, I've had it on my nightstand for years and this is the first time I'm like, I was just in Hawaii and I was like, I'm going to read it now. And yeah. like a middle of it and his name is Michael Hosea and it's yes. the continual story of like Hosea and Gomez and that whole and him going after her angel, you know, but man, I love it. I love it. It's so beautiful. And it comes back to like, yeah, nothing is wasted. God will continue to redeem every part of your story. And I think for the people listening, if you are widowed, if you are divorced, if you're a single parent, like, gosh, I'm just going to leave it actually to you, Davey and Christy, to encourage them versus me, because you guys can really speak into like some final words for them right now who are sitting here thinking like, when will I ever, when will this ever feel better? When will I, will I ever, you know, be able to be married again? Or will I ever be able to be married? What, what yeah. would you guys have to say to them? Well, I would say that God is a God that, that works beyond our expectations, yeah. you know? And so at, at the end of the day, he wants to bring, as Ephesians tells us, immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. But that requires that we open up our heart to his power at work within us. It re- requires that we choose to follow him in this process. And and instead of looking to the, you know, quote unquote, created things that could, you know, maybe bring us joy and hope, the things that are around us, the superfluous things, the things that are material in this world. If we look to Jesus, the, what he'll bring into our life and what he withholds from our life is going to be a far greater story than we could ever write ourselves. So I want to bring you the hope that no, you're not always going to feel this way in Christ. You're not always going to be experiencing this in Christ, but look to him because he is the anchor for our soul. And, you know, there are so many different great resources out there that can help you as you're looking to him. That's what we feel like as nothing is wasted. That's our call is to help kind of keep pointing you to Jesus as he is walking you along the path, even if that path feels like the valley of the shadow of death. And so we kind of call ourselves like the little G guide pointing you to the big G guide because- Isaiah 30 tells us this. It's a, it's a promise. It's a hope. Though he give us the water, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, the teacher will hide himself no more. He will be like a voice whispering, this is the way, walk in it. And so he will give you the steps. He will give you the, he will become your guide and he will mend your heart and he will heal you and he will comfort you and he will provide for you. Um, but, but sometimes it's hard to try to figure out how to fumble around. If, if you want to get connected to our ministry, we'd love to help you in any way. Nothingiswasted.com. Um, we, we can send you, we'd love to send you 21 days of devotions in your email inbox over 21 days. If you just right now where you're at text N I W N I W to the number six, six, eight, six, six. Um, again, that's N I W to six, six, eight, six, six. We'll send you some devotions directly to your inbox. It'll help to kind of start getting you on the, on that journey to healing. And I think even just for single parents, when I think about the women I, I speak into, when they ask all the questions about how does it feel to be, you know, married to someone who was widowed, and and all the hardships that come along the way with that, with blending families, be- blending in grief, because if you think about it, you're blending because there was some kind of transition and trauma, yeah. and so you're now adding layers. And so again, I feel like I'm the bearer of bad news when people come and ask me questions because I'm like, can I just give you perspective, like? I remember my pastor talking about, is marriage meant for holiness or happiness? Mm, And thinking, if it's just for holiness, I don't want it. Mm. I remember just thinking that. I don't want, like, give me other ways to make me holy because that makes marriage seem very hard and not, like, like appealing. That's something I would want. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
But when I think about even just marrying into into a blended family, um, again, Davy's saying our hope is in Jesus, right. and the redemption part is Him bringing two people together who love Jesus, who are walking with Him, and at the same time, now you're adding layers and layers of different hurt and trauma, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it is it is a lot harder. So yeah. we can think that like the grass is greener. Like once I'm married, then once yeah. I have this kid, then I mean, we always say then I might be happy, then I'll have joy, but really the answer really lies in Psalm. 1611, it says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. So if we seek his face and we seek his kingdom, the rest will be given to us. And so if we we have a desire to be married, it will happen. But just know it's going to be harder to be married than it is to be single. It's going to be harder. There's going to be, there's going to be refining that's happening. You're going to be in the fire. God's going to make you holy. He's going to complete you. It says until the day of completion, you will be completed. And so it's, it's a, it's a hard fine tuning process. And at the same time, it can still be beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. 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 So beautiful. So healing in so many ways. And I love that. Oh my goodness. You guys, I always ask the last final question, which is your final nugget of dating advice. But I really think that what you just gave is like (laughs) the nugget of dating advice to, to each, to everybody. And so I'm just so grateful for both of y'all for sharing your story, for, for how God, for sharing how God has uniquely woven your stories together. It is beautiful. It is so the Lord. It is so, it's just profound. And I think that for anyone listening, who's like, whatever age you're feeling like, man, God has forgotten about me. Just, I hope and pray that Davy and Christy's story today, just show you that he has not forgotten about you. Keep, yeah. Run even deeper into his arms, just yes. like Christy had to do, you know, like, and just like Davy had to do, you know, after the tragedy, like run deeper into his arms. There there is so much fullness of joy right there. And within that, as you pursue that, he will blow your mind at what he's yes. doing in your life. Right. And through time, you will see the redemption, you know, in, in different ways. It may not be exactly what you thought it was. I'm sure you guys, your story was not ever <laughs> what you anticipated meeting. No. Chris, you didn't think you'd meet a guy at a gym just after you told God, I'm not dating anymore. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, he will blow your mind. But when you put him in that number one bucket and when you continually go to the well every day and you you continue to seek that healing with or without somebody in your life, you will be able to find the fullness of the current season that you're in, the fullness of joy. So you guys, are this is amazing. How do people get connected to you? I know you already gave some amazing resources, but your website, Instagram, any th- ways that they can get connected. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at christy.blackburn.niw or you can also just find me at christyblackburn.com. Yeah, and I'm at DavyBlackburn.com and Davy D A V E Y. Instagram is Davy Blackburn as well, and then we're also at NothingIsWasted.com, and so we have all kinds of stuff. We have co- we consider content, community, and coaching to help you as you're finding there purpose in your pain. Yeah, I love that, guys. Thank you so much for blessing us with your story today. It was it was such a treat. I loved it. Thank you so <laughs> thank much you, for Kate. having us. What an episode. What a story. Davy and Christy are phenomenal human beings with a beautiful story of God's redemption. I am so thankful for this episode, their story, the work that they do. And I so pray that if you were listening today and could relate to any part of their story, whether you are widowed, whether you have been divorced, whether you're a single parent, whether you're just single later in life and feel totally lost, I really hope and pray that God blessed you today, that you feel encouraged, that you feel empowered, and you feel like you are not alone. 
All right, guys, I want to remind you to come and join our Heart of Dating Conference this February 12th. Go to hodc2022.com to get in on the early bird tickets until December 31st, New Year's Eve. Can't wait to see you there. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.